It's time for Lawyers for Jesus, a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law. Featuring the attorneys from the law firm Malkin Baker in downtown Chicago. Malkin Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and for serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Terry Liu, an attorney at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to mockbaker.com, that's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com, or call us at 312-726-1243. Immigration continues to be a divisive political issue. How has God called us to respond? Today I will be speaking with Matthew Sorens, the U.S. Director of Church Mobilization for World Relief an organization that empowers churches across the United States to provide support for vulnerable immigrants and refugees. Matthew is also the author of two books, including Welcoming the Stranger, Justice, Compassion, and Truth in the Immigration Debate, and Seeking Refuge on the Shores of the Global Refugee Crisis. Matthew, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me, Terry. Yeah. Uh, So tell us a little bit about yourself, Matthew. Well, I uh, live outside of Chicago in Aurora, Illinois, with my wife, Diana, and our three kids. Um, I've worked at World Relief, as you mentioned, for almost well, 14 years now, um, and actually got my start there in our legal services program, which works. My first job was helping local churches to host citizenship workshops to help uh, immigrants who have their green cards and take that next step to become American citizens. So we, our legal staff will uh, screen people, make sure they qualify, and then work with volunteers to help fill out applications and then, again, have our legal team go over everything, make sure that they, you know, have everything's prepared properly. And I've worked, uh, I've kind of done a few different roles World Relief since then, but most of my job right now is really focused on helping local churches and, and really denominations as well at the national level think through these issues of immigration from a distinctly biblical perspective, because for so many people it's a big political issue or it's a security or economic issue. Um, those things are all important, but our goal at World Relief is really to take a step back and say, how do we respond to this uh, issue, and more importantly, to these people in ways that are faithful to who God tells us to be in the Scriptures? Got it. I'm really excited that you're able to share that perspective with us here today. Uh, so, Matthew, uh, softball question. What is the refugee crisis, and why is it something that Americans should care about? Yeah, so... Um, a refugee under both U.S. law and international law is someone who has fled their country because of a well-founded fear of persecution, specifically because of their race, religion, political opinion, national origin, or social group. And um, globally, the best estimates from the U.N. are that there's about 25 million people in the world today who meet that definition of a refugee, which is just an incredible you know, number of people. It's hard to, hard to put our human minds around what 25 million people looks like. Um, and those are just those who have fled their countries for one of those reasons. Not all immigrants who might have left for, you know, for an economic reason or people who have fled persecution but are still within the boundaries of their country. And so why Americans should care about it fundamentally, I think, especially for those of us who are coming at this from a faith background that believes that human beings are made in God's image with inherent dignity, and those are people who need protection, and we should do what we can uh, to protect uh, vulnerable human life, to love our neighbors as ourselves, and uh, Jesus makes pretty clear that our neighbors aren't strictly limited to those who live next to us or who share our ethnicity or country of origin or, or any other qualifier. It's, it could be just about anyone who's in need. Hmm. Um, I often hear the term crisis used when, when reference, re- referencing the refugee situation uh, currently. Um, are these 
levels of, of refugees higher than they have been historically? They are. In fact, uh, the, that 25 million figure is the highest since anyone has ever been tracking numbers. So it, it, we don't have perfect numbers throughout the history of the world, but certainly at least since World War II and probably even including World War II, this is the worst crisis point we've seen. So a higher number than during the Vietnam War era when there was a lot of people displaced from that conflict. Um, uh, higher than some of the conflicts that have, you know, during the Iraq war, a lot of people were displaced. Um, but currently it's, it's a combination of this conflict in Syria, which is the number one conflict fueling people's migration, but then still people displaced from Iraq. Um, a lot of people displaced from the Democratic Republic of Congo, from Afghanistan, from South Sudan in the last few years. Um, and then even right now from Venezuela, a huge number of people who have been displaced by the, a very, a corrupt government there in Venezuela. So it's, unfortunately, it is a crisis point. Mm. Yeah, and it sounds like there are just a lot of situations that are contributing independently to, to the current circumstances. Um, you mentioned earlier that, that there's obviously a, a political dimension um, to this discussion. Um, but apart from um, the political dimension, what are sort of the other dimensions that are useful to bring into the conversation? Yeah, again, I mean, I think it's so important for those of us who are Christians that we start with a, a biblical and even a missional dimension. How do we see how God could be working through the movement of people? Uh, but of course, there are also economic dynamics to consider. Um, economics, I think, largely govern why most people in the world make a usually difficult decision to migrate. So maybe not those who are strictly refugees fleeing persecution, but most migrants in the world are looking for you know, economic opportunities, sometimes fleeing very desperate situations of poverty. And then, of course, there's questions of, of security. Um, it's appropriate for our government to want to help people, but also to make sure we're not letting someone in who could do harm. And there's questions of legality, too. I mean, of course, the United States, just like every other country, has to have laws to determine who comes in. And, you know, the questions of how are those visas uh, uh, distributed and what do you do when someone comes when they weren't given a visa and how do we respond to those situations? All those, I think, are uh, complications to these conversations around around immigration generally, and then the refugee issue in particular, it's uh, has some unique dynamics because it's people fleeing persecution um, who've gone through a lot of trauma and that sort of thing as well. Yeah, it's it's extraordinarily complex. It sounds like you're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Terry Liu of the law firm of Mock and Baker. If you missed part of this episode or want to hear previous Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit mockbaker.com. You can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Today, we have been speaking with Matthew Sorens, U.S. Director of Church Mobilization for World Relief, uh, about the current refugee crisis and uh, how Christian churches should respond. Uh, so, Matthew, you, you were talking about um, all the dimensions that potentially are touched upon by the refugee crisis. Um, just so we have a, a good understanding of uh, definitions and terms, um, how are refugees seeking asylum different from immigration? Well, even refugees might be different from those seeking asylum, so it's super complicated. But um, a refugee is defined by the situations for which, the reasons that they fled. They fled a well-founded fear of persecution. So in, in some sense, because they're people living outside of their country, they are immigrants, but they're a subset of immigrants. And then you have people seeking asylum. So those are people who say that they are refugees, but when we describe them as seeking asylum, so this, for example, would be what we're seeing a lot of at the U.S.-Mexico border right now with people from Central America, they've not yet been vetted by any government. Um, the same would be true if you look at people arriving in, in Europe from the Middle East or from North Africa. 
a lot of times we hear about that as a refugee crisis, and it, in a sense is, but actually it's an asylum seeker crisis until a government has applied their laws and determined, yes, this, people, this person meets the definition of a refugee, they have a well-founded fear of persecution for one of these reasons under the law, or this person doesn't. They're fleeing poverty, they're fleeing a natural disaster. Very sympathetic reasons to, to leave your home, for sure, but not going to qualify you as a refugee under U.S. law or under most, most other countries' laws for refugees either. So it's, refugees are in some sense a subset. And, and the refugees who come to the United States are not coming to seek asylum. They've been designated abroad, and they're being granted uh, legal status from the moment they come in. So anyone who comes through the U.S. Refugee Settlement Program is vetted overseas, uh, interviewed by officers of the U.S. government overseas before they ever get on an airplane and arrive in the U.S. What are some common myths and misconceptions you often encounter as part of this discussion? I think one is that idea that these are people showing up and we don't know who they are. Uh, in terms of refugees in particular, I mean, World Relief is one of the nine agencies nationally that works with the State Department to help resettle refugees once they arrive. So our government chooses who comes. We don't have a role in that, but they tell us, hey, this family from Congo is showing up at O'Hare Airport and we are there to meet them when they arrive usually working with a local church that's hopefully going to be there as well to help welcome them and who will have already helped set up an apartment. Um, so I think people have this idea, well, we don't know who these people are. Uh, the reality is our government has a very thorough vetting process. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security leads that in coordination with the Department of State, the Department of Defense, the National Counterterrorism Center, the FBI. And it's been a really successful process. There's been 3 million refugees resettled to the U.S. since the Refugee Act of 1980 was passed into law. And not a single one of them has taken the life of an American citizen in a terrorist attack. Um, that's actually like a pretty great record. That's not to say that process can't always be continually improved. But I think a lot of Americans are under the impression that this is sort of a failed process. And actually, it's a really successful process. Of course, there's other forms of migration. And there's, you know, different levels of vetting for different categories of, of visitors or just tourists um, coming into the United States. But the refugee program in particular is one that has a very high level of of security screening that's already involved. Uh, you mentioned just now that uh, approximately 3 million refugees have been successfully resettled in the U.S., is that correct? That's right. Since, since 1980, a little bit more than that, we had kind of a de facto system in the 70s. Got it. And do we have a sense um, of what the impact of that has been? Positive, negative? Um, is there some way you can yeah. help us understand? Yeah. I mean, of course, there's different ways to look at that. One is just to look at the effect on those families themselves. And I think the vast majority of those people are, I mean, some of them just wouldn't be alive had the United States not decided to take them and give them a new opportunity in this, in this wonderful country. Um, but I think even looking economically, that's often another concern is people think, well, we want to be helpful, but you know, we've got a lot of needs in the U.S. economy as it is, a lot of Americans who are struggling. Um, refugees, unlike most other immigrants, do get some assistance from our federal government when they first arrive and they qualify for some public benefits that actually most other immigrants do not qualify for. But if you look at longer term, uh, there's actually a study by a couple of economists at University of Notre Dame that found that 20 years after arrival, the average refugee adult has paid in $21,000 more in taxes than the combined cost of any sort of public benefits they've received or the resettlement assistance that they received up front. So if you look short term, there's some costs, but if you look long term, they're actually contributing more than they ever received. Wow. Coming up, we will talk further with Matthew Sorens, U.S. Director of Church Mobilization for World Relief. I'm Terry Liu, and this is Lawyers for Jesus.
Hi, this is Pastor McCracken, pastor of the Church of Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in Markham, Illinois. For the last four years, our church has been struggling to overcome the city's efforts to shut us down. In the midst of all of our legal issues, we felt overwhelmed and discouraged. All we wanted to do was worship the Lord and serve our community. We needed a law firm that not only had the knowledge of the law, but the same commitment of the kingdom of God. The Lord connected us with the law firm of Malcolm Baker. The attorneys at Malcolm Baker have not only provided us with exceptional legal representation and counsel, but have also provided us with the added gift of lawyers who pray with us and seek the guidance of the Lord at every step. After working with Malcolm Baker, we can't imagine working with anyone else. If your church or ministry has any legal needs, please call us, 312-726-1243, or look us up online at maukbaker.com. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Terry Liu, an attorney at Mock & Baker, a law firm based in Chicago which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals with their legal needs. If you missed the first part of this show and want to listen online, go to mockbaker.com forward slash radio. Today we've been speaking with Matthew Sorens, U.S. Director of Church Mobilization for World Relief, about the differences between immigration, refugee resettlement, asylum, and why those uh, issues should matter to us. Um, so, Matthew, um, we've talked uh, generally about um, these issues uh, and why they're important. Uh, what do you believe is the proper Christian response to both immigration and refugees? Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways there's a, a whole range of responses. Uh, but for Christians in particular, the response needs to be driven by our faith and re- driven by our commitment to the idea that these are neighbors whom we're called to love. I mean, there's policy questions as well. We can get to that. But I think the role of the church is to be showing God's love for people, showing welcome and, and hospitality. Uh, literally, the, the term hospitality in the Greek of the New Testament is philoxenia, which is the love of strangers. So we've not hit it if we're just having our friends over for a meal. I mean, it really is reaching out to those who are different from us, who are unknown to us. And part of that is meeting tangible needs. That a lot of what we do at World Relief is we come alongside local churches to to meet refugees at the airport as they arrive to help other immigrants uh, who need help with legal services or English classes. And um, then alongside that, we, we want to view people holistically and, and recognize that people need Jesus as well. And some people who come as immigrants already are strong believers. In fact, they've got some things to teach American Christians who've usually had a fairly comfortable Christian walk um, compared to people who fled persecution because of their faith. But then there are others who don't know Jesus and who might come from a different religious tradition. And we have the opportunity, as First Peter 3 says, to be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is within you. And we find that when, when teams from local churches are the ones welcoming people and serving people and, and loving them as their neighbors, as we're called to do biblically, it's rare that sooner or later that doesn't elicit that question of why. And we get to point people to who we believe Jesus is. So we think that's one of the most fundamental ways is working through our churches and through ministries to to welcome those who are often vulnerable in a new place, learning a language, learning a new culture. Some of them, many of them have legal status, but then others don't. That that adds other layers of vulnerability. Um, those who have fled persecution have issues of trauma in many cases that they're working through. So there's a really important role for the church. Mm. Yeah, the the intersection of of immigration and and the Christian witness is, is close to my heart um, because that was sort of the story of my family. My parents both came here um, as grad students. Um, they 
didn't speak very much English. Um, they had never been uh, exposed to Christianity in their home country. Um, and so it wasn't until they came to the U.S. that they had these first two contacts with Christians that were so meaningful. Essentially, you know, um, they had me a little earlier and, uh, than their schedule kind of they, they intended, I suppose. Um, and so they were really financially strapped and, and they were told, you know, hey, if you need help with baby clothes or with diapers, um, you know, mm -hmm. there's, there are local Christian churches that, that would love to offer you assistance. Um, and then the other thing that um, happened that was really impactful for them was um, they encountered someone who was willing to look after me and my younger sister while my parents were studying. Um, and she did it for, for basically for free. And when they asked her, why are you willing to do this? Um, she communicated very clearly that she, as a Christian, she felt like that was her ministry that she had been given mm -hmm. by God. Um, and so those are, those are two very powerful, I think, ex uh, wow. examples and witnesses that really had an impact on my parents. They got baptized shortly after um, my, me and my sister also became Christian. And, and I've just really been impressed at, at the opportunity that we have uh, to interact with care and compassion with immigrants and refugees and the potential yeah. eternal imp implication that can have. Yeah, that's so encouraging. And I mean, those are the sort of stories we get to see it from people from all over the world and different backgrounds at World Relief on a, a fairly regular basis. Mm -hmm. Again, not that, you know, we're not serving people so that they will um, become Christians. We'll serve them whether or not they're ever, you know, whether they're already Christians or whether they mm -hmm. would ever share our faith. But when we do that loving our neighbor part well, we do see lots of people who who have questions about who Jesus is and who end up making a decision to become his followers here. And that's super encouraging. Yeah, you mentioned in the first segment that, that this is an extraordinarily complicated issue. Um, there's a lot of different factors that have to be considered and weighed. Um, in light of that, is there a way to reform the system in a way that's compassionate and biblical? Yeah, I mean, in some ways, I think that's another important role for the church is to be a, a, an advocate for just policies that are honoring the law, but are also compassionate and keeping families together. Um, World Relief has been a part of something called the Evangelical Immigration Table that uh, includes a bunch of other national Christian groups, the Southern Baptist Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, the Council of Christian Colleges and Universities, uh, the National Association of Evangelicals, and, and others, that have basically put forward principles for our lawmakers to say, we we need bipartisan solutions on immigration that respect the dignity of every person, that protect the unity of the family, that respect the rule of law, that guarantees secure national borders that are fair to taxpayers, and that would establish a path towards legal status and or citizenship for people who would qualify and want to become permanent residents. So those are a few principles we've put forward. And what that looks like in practice, I sum it up as it should be harder to immigrate illegally to the United States, but the law is really important and we should have secure borders. But it should be much easier to immigrate legally. And I think I had no idea until I worked in immigration law how difficult and actually often impossible, literally, it is to immigrate lawfully, even when there's jobs waiting for people. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that would include continuing to be a safe haven for people fleeing persecution. And uh, one thing we're really troubled by is the decline in the refugee program. It's much, much far, far fewer refugees, including persecuted Christians, are being given the opportunity to come to the United States right now than even two or three years ago. And then the last piece of that sort of three-legged stool would be, well, what do we do with people who are here unlawfully? We want to honor the law, and we can't just do an amnesty that says the law is unimportant, who's your citizenship. 
But we also want to keep families together and, and recognize that many of these people have been here 10, 20, 30 years, and many of them are part of local churches. What we've said is there ought to be a sort of a process of restitution where people could come forward if they've overstayed their visa or they've entered the country unlawfully, pay a fine as a penalty for having done so. Of course, undergo a criminal background check, and if you've committed a serious crime, you'd be disqualified and, and deported. But for the vast majority who haven't committed serious crimes, they'd have the chance to earn permanent legal status in the United States and to be integrated into the American community. Got it. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Terry Liu of the law firm Mock and Baker, and we're talking to Matthew Sorens, U.S. Director of Church Mobilization for World Relief, about um, the role the the church can play in helping to to drive a compassion biblical um, plan for for how to handle immigrants and refugees that have come to the U.S. Uh, Matthew, can you share any stories from your book that will help us empathize with the immigrant and refugee experience? Yeah, you know, we got to include lots of stories in our book. And I live in a neighborhood uh, outside of Chicago with most of my neighbors are immigrants. So a lot of them are kind of personal stories of my neighbors, often with, you know, students just to protect their privacy. But one story that just comes to mind and goes to this question of, well, what about immigrants who are not here legally? Is a, a man from Mexico who he came more than 30 years ago and was one of my neighbors. He's a believer. He was not a believer when he got here, but someone shared the gospel with him after he arrived and he became a follower of Jesus. And, and he reads the Bible and he's anguished in some ways by, you know, he reads the passage like in Romans 13, where it says to be subject to the governing authorities because he's not here legally. And he's really desperate to get right, right with the law. Um, and just to recognize that there's a lot of people like that who are, who want desperately to get right with the law, but don't have that opportunity under current U.S. law. I mean, as I got to know U.S. immigration law, I had to ask him all sorts of questions, and he heard the same thing he heard from his immigration attorneys, which is he doesn't qualify. He doesn't have the right family members to sponsor him. He's not highly skilled under our current classification, so he doesn't have a master's degree, um, even though he's been working for decades in you know what would be considered lower-skilled fields. He's not fleeing persecution. He was fleeing poverty, but that doesn't qualify him for asylum status or refugee status. And then there's something called the diversity visa lottery that is only for certain countries and not Mexico. And of course, even if you qualify to enter, your odds of winning are very slim, like one in 300 or 400. But I think someone like his story is really, you know, it's helpful because he's fairly typical. There's a lot of people in that category who are believers who want desperately to get right with the law, who are looking for that opportunity to do so, um, but would like to be able to stay with their family and continue to provide for their family, which they also think is a biblical mandate. There's um, First Timothy 3 and elsewhere, we're given that instruction to provide for our families. So I, that's just one story that comes to mind. There's literally dozens of others that we are able to include a lot of in, in both of the books. But for me, a lot of this issue is it's about people and people who are often part of our local churches. And that changes the, the spectrum a little bit when you're looking at, you know, when you're thinking about this topic, it's not just policies or numbers, it's actually individuals. Yeah. I'm happy to recommend that our listeners check out your two books. Those are Welcoming the Stranger, Justice, Compassion, and Truth in the Immigration Debate, and Seeking Refuge on the Shores of the Global Refugee Crisis, for more stories like the one you just shared. Matthew, we appreciate you speaking with us today. How can people learn more about World Relief and your books on the immigration debate and refugee crisis? Yeah, if you go to worldrelief.org, um, you can find out more about the work World Relief does um, in various places around the U.S. and also some places outside the United States. And the books are somewhere there, too, or also anywhere on, you know, on online booksellers or at welcomingthestranger.com. Uh, it's available as well. 
Okay. Thank you, Matthew, for sharing with us your perspective and your work uh, in, in addressing the refugee and immigration crisis uh, here in the U.S. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Mock and Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at mockbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Visit our website to subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter with legal updates, or call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. Thank you for listening. I'm Terry Liu, attorney at Mock and Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Somebody, yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.